Captain. Please make yourself at home. Welcome to the good ship Trek This Out. Um, we have decided to fill some of the, the gaps in new Trek um, being launched in order to explore um, perhaps some of the, the older material that's on offer to us. Um, I'm Sarah, I'm going to be your host today, and I am joined by Suki. Hello. Hello, Andrew. Hello. And Deb. Hello, it's very nice to see you. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Deb. Nice to see you too. And uh, the current Mr. Davis. Current Mr. Thank you. Thanks for <laughs> Hello. Actually, that doesn't work because I'm always going to be Mr. Davis. You don't get to keep Mrs. Davis. My current Mr. Davis. Okay, uh, excuse me. I can keep my name if I want to. True. Had it a very long time now. Um, and uh, so I have chosen for this week's episode uh the voyager uh, season five episode 10 counterpoint which is in my view one of janeway's finest episodes kate mulgrew i think is amazing in this i would just like to know what some of your initial thoughts are uh, apart from deb who i'm well aware of deb's initial thoughts on this and her deeper thoughts and her last thoughts so she's just going to wave at us in silence um true would you like to kick us off yeah, um, I, I don't need initial thoughts on this because I've watched it many, many times and I think it's excellent. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> Suki, how did you find this one? I think I'm going to be in between Drew and Deb. I thought it was an all right episode. I just don't understand uh, some of the things that happened in here, as in the motivations of some of the characters. And uh, I just thought it was an all right episode. Okay, and I guess we can explore and kind of unpick some of those things a bit later mm. on. Um, Steve? Uh, I, I believe I'm contractually obliged to say that I liked <laughs> this episode, uh, but I did, hopefully. So, uh, yeah, uh, one, of, one of my favourites, too. Good, okay. I thought it was quite a nice episode to just watch in isolation as well. It kind of almost didn't matter what had come before, which was quite helpful because we did our last rewatch quite a long time ago and I couldn't remember what had come before. So it was quite handy that we were able just to pick up a story and run with it. So Deb, constructively, would you like to share constructively. your thoughts on this episode? I, um, I watched it again um, not long ago and I liked it a bit better than I did the first time. Oh, well, controversial. There we go. Thank you very much. Um, so we are introduced to a couple of new series, uh, species uh, within this uh, episode. Um, Steve, would you mind just giving us a quick summary? Put you on the spot now. Oh, wow. Really? You want me <laughs> yeah. to do a quick summary? Right. OK. Um, so Voyager is in space uh, and is trying to get home. How about that? Thank you. Uh, whereupon it, they meet a DeVore warship, two of them, one of them, two of them. It turns out they have to keep being inspected by the DeVore, who are looking for telepaths. 
it turns out that boy how much of a do you want this do you want a complete summary or just want a teeing up of it just a teeing up i think okay so they are being inspected by devore who are trying to find telepaths turns out voyager are harboring telepaths to try and take them to uh, shangri-la or vortavor or shakari or wherever they want to go and then one of the devore called kashik decides uh, is presenting to voyager that he's um seeking asylum turning coat and wants to be protected by them as well or is he dun, dun, dun. it's a good summary there steve yes. well done lad yes <laughs> and there we have it so um as i said to start with i absolutely i really love this episode for many reasons i can appreciate it has its problems but i think a lot of trek particularly some of the older trek um has its problems i love um the fact that it's really janeway centered and i just think she's amazing in this um and i know how much she enjoys um this as an episode as well so you said suki you had some kind of issues around some of the motivations of the characters do you want to unpick that a little bit she's been stopped a number of times voyager has been stopped a number of times by the divorce and she absolutely hates being searched and Janeway has been searched and, you know, interrogated by the, the crew, uh, by this uh, in, uh, inspection team. Yet she's willing to let this person, Kashi, into her life in a sort of intimate way because she's on a one-to-one -one basis. And I'm not sure where her, if there's any proper feelings there, because some, sometimes when she looks, when she's just by herself, it looks like is she actually falling for him? But if she's, but you know, um, if he was there, then maybe yeah, she's putting up a shell. But, but sometimes when she, he's not even there, it, she looks like she is. And it just, I, I just thinking how is what what exactly is happening here? And then when it comes all clear towards the end, I'm still thinking, but it wasn't clear as the episode was going. I can understand that they were trying to build up the drama in that they were letting this person into their lives, into their crew, and into this uh, voyage of uh, getting these telepaths off the sh off out of their quadrants or their system. Like, but um, I just didn't think, I just didn't understand how she was thinking, what she was doing. Well, well, I, I don't think she she trusts him at all, does she? And at the end, we find out she's he's double crossed her, and he and she's double double crossed him. So although, you know, they share the kiss and they seem to be getting closer, I don't think at any point she ever is trusting of him at all. And in fact, the, the first time when he defects and he goes on and he says, uh, call me Kashek, she immediately keeps calling him Inspector. You know, she, I think that is a big clue that she was never fully trusting of him. I think I think she's um, she's doing a very clever thing. I think she is leaving herself in a position where if it turns out she can trust him then she is able to and if it turns out that he is doing the dirty on her then she's not um left exposed to that so she, i think she's playing it very savvy she's leaving her um all options open so why the snog i mean it it's like wouldn't you wouldn't get picard having a snog with a, a likely defector it just felt like they were overdoing her vulnerabilities as a woman a bit I mean, there were things I liked about it on the second, so I'm not going to diss it completely. But I do think it, it kind of needs a 
counter view. A counter view, like a counter, counter point. point. Yeah. Um, I did go off on a bit of a tangent trying to 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 see the uh, um, what a counterpoint was, and uh, I think that was a clever title. Yeah, that's it. Just kind of annoyed me the way she was looking at him, um, sort of with these Google eyes, goggle eyes. I don't know. As Deb said, why the snog? The the she, he's he's kissed her. And, you know, and she's looked at him and then she's decided to go in for it. Maybe she's trying to reinforce the bond that she's tried to cultivate, uh, saying, look, I do trust you. And all that. that's why I've come in for the second kiss. But yeah, but I she just... went in with tongues. The first kiss was no tongues. I rewound to check. She Did went you... in all guns. I was going to say, you know, poor old Jane, Ray, she's the only person on board. And she does say it in quite an early episode that, she can't form relationships, like she says. That's one of the uh, the downfalls to being a captain. So you know, you, you ne never pass up an opportunity for a bit of tonsil tennis, would you? Even if it is like a uh, a bit of a space Nazi, is what I would say. <laughs> I, well, I, I think I think the Buzzcocks define this situation perfectly, and I quote: "Ever fallen in love with someone? Ever fallen in love in love with someone? Ever fallen in love in love with someone you shouldn't have fallen in love with?" Fallen in love with. Well, thank you very much. Fallen in love with someone. You said fallen in love with. Don't start singing. As I said on previous episodes, I'm not paying royalties. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll charge you for that. So I think this is really interesting. Um, I, I, I agree with Steve. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's in... on. It's on camera. It's recorded. <laughs> In that, I think um, I hadn't thought of it the way that you've presented it, Deb, as uh, her actually just being a bit sort of pathetic and sad. I just thought her being genuinely lonely, which is a perfectly acceptable state of affairs, because she's got this crew, but she's she hasn't got anyone she can have those relationships with. I think she wants it to be real, but is probably okay with the fact it might not be but is uh, happy to explore it in the meantime. I'm not sure that any of those words came out in an order that would comprise English. No, I understand. No, <laughs> I, no, I understand what you're saying. As Drew says, you can't make have relationships on the ship. There's this chap in front of her who is making a sort of play mm. uh, for her, and, so, and she knows he's not part of the crew. Maybe she could, if she wanted to, see how where this goes. Now the fact that she, there's no trust in the relationship at all, whether it's on screen or behind the screens or whatever, there's no trust in that relationship. Yeah, but the both going for whatever they're trying to go in for, but it just doesn't seem to, in my eyes, it just doesn't seem to work. It doesn't seem to work. I get that, um, and I like Jane Way, but would they have done that with a male captain? to get that smitten because i mean even picard with fax it was someone that that he'd known in the past and he he didn't shag beverly although they did look at each other a bit you know lovingly nothing happened um until he was she wasn't on the ship it was it was the fact that it just seemed to be because she was a woman that they had her yeah do the snog but it didn't need to go that far it could have been she is a good actor she could have done that clearly they were getting together and that there was a friendship forming without going that far and just pushing on her feminine vulnerabilities or whatever the, the writers 
clearly found there. And and any any other thing that I'm, I'm just going to say that I I just completely disagree that she's weak and that she's falling for him. I think it's part of the Janeway master plan. You know, she's <laughs> never going to be falling for like this nasty person. I just think she was giving it as good as he was giving it, and she was just matching him. So to see how far the duplicity would go. So I, I don't think she's weak or or she was falling for him. I think it, it was all an act myself. And, and in terms of actually, had it have been true, there would still be a massive power imbalance had he been granted asylum on the ship anyway. So whatever happens, it was always doomed. It was doomed, doomed love. Hmm. I don't think she's weak. I, I don't think Janeway's ever been weak. She's she's always been that strong character. She leads a strong team on the bridge, on the Voyager, and she has to be that character that can build relationships with her crew and be able to make decisions or hard decisions. And she does a hard decision here. But the fact that, in my eyes, the relationship between the two of them just looks so fake and it just does... It did my head in while I was watching the episode, and yeah. I just couldn't really get into it. I'm, and I'm going round in circles on this, and I keep going back to it. And I want to apologise, but that's the my, my main issue with this episode is the relationship just in work. Sorry, well, I'm in, I'm inclined to agree more with Drew in that I think there's um, she's savvier than than um, perhaps giving giving her that credit for i think she still is open to the idea that he might be genuine and plays it clever enough to allow that possibility but i think there's a there's a big problem in star trek isn't there about what you do with partners for captains because i mean just on a practical level either you're going to cast somebody to be the captain's partner because if this is our main character we're not just gonna have them flipping away um love interests left right and center uh, unless you're making a TV program in the 60s with Jim Kirk. Um, and, and then, you know, then that's a problem in, in nowadays, isn't it? You can't do it like that. So you have to somehow create a situation where you're not going to have a recurring character, but you need to show that your main character can fall in love or maybe, you know, play savvy with other characters. So unless they're going to recur for like a season at a time, and here's what Discovery does quite well, right? It sets up Michael with book and they've got a, a sort of a sensible way around that coming. So I, I think I think there's a problem in, in terms of how you give love interest to your main characters in Star Trek if they're captains. Yeah, I just want to point out Steve didn't put his hand up <coughs> unless he put he his had, hand up. No, he, he had. Did. He did. He did. Oh, oh come camera? on, concentrate, Deb. No, concentrate. It, it was a little... Yeah, was I saw it. I, I don't know. I, I think it's hosts, hosts, um, partners. This is why you can't have relationships with a captain isn't it our captain today <laughs> is showing favoritism and even if she's not showing favoritism i'm accusing her of it so Deb, I, I can confirm i definitely had my finger up oh my god that's oh, what I was, there we that go what i was going to suggest where did you have your hand <laughs> um, well, there we go um bring the tone of the episode down well done so, Steve. <laughs> I, I think i think we've gone round in 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 no, merry no, circle i agree with oh, sorry, is that is, 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 i could agree with suki um janeway is a strong character i just thought it was out of character uh and i don't think she would have played uh him like that i mean he was a very charismatic character and i think um I think he was played. I, there are many positives which I've written down, um, but um, but there was so much worship for this episode. I thought 
I don't have to um, be polite. <laughs> His character, Kashik, was played really well and was very charming, and you could see the attractions. I just don't think Janeway would be that stupid, and I just blame the writers for writing Janeway. I mean, she is a woman, but a woman with strong characteristics, um, and she she wouldn't be played that way. Yeah, I, I won't carry on, because as you say, we should probably move on from uh, the Janeway um, relationship thing. I, yeah, I agree, though. Kashek, what an excellent character he is. So he's like mm. just gleefully ruthless, isn't he? And uh, he in some ways reminds me of Garrick from Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. He's like, as he's yeah. stabbing you in the front, he's smiling and with charm, isn't he? And one of the things I really like about this episode is it's, it's the classic cold open for Voyager, which they do so much. You know, we, we're going right into the middle of the story and, you know, the space Nazis get on board and they're all breaking the doctor's test tubes and being really nasty to the crew straight away, giving you, yeah, these are the baddies, aren't they? And then Kashek appears and he's all like, oh, Captain, come to your come to your ready room. And oh, would you like a coffee? He's, he's like the one good cop out of all the baddie oh, Nazis. No, it was it really was. Um, it made my skin crawl, that initial scene. I like the way they established very quickly that this is something that had happened on multiple times. Like everyone knew the drill. Everyone knew how to behave. But the whole thing about commandeering her personal space and and I did I don't think I noticed it the last time I watched it. It just made me feel really uncomfortable, kind of particularly those early scenes. Um, and I, I do want to explore the use of the music because I think the music's really important in this and 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 the title as well and the idea of the counterpoint play, but just that idea of music being used to soothe the crew, but actually it, it's designed to unsettle them. It's it's a barrage of, of of noise while they're undergoing this stressful situation. So yeah, ooh, ooh, it's basically what I think of Kashuk. But he was he was amazing. And I think some of the interplay between him and Janeway throughout it was really interesting, just the way they interacted with each other, putting aside all romantic stuff. And, and it was constantly that that shifting of power between it and him definitely always thinking he was on top, um, which, as we find out at the end, was not the case. Yeah, I, I thought that um, bit in the ready room was sinister um, and creepy. And quite often in you know Nazi films or or any film where you've got uh, an obvious baddie you do have like the interrogator who tries to undermine them by being nice and uh, artificial and, and and play them a bit I I thought um, it was excellent but very disturbing mm. the same mm. as Sarah did another positive thing about uh, Kashik is his little shuttlecraft was really cool I think that is the coolest shuttlecraft that I've seen. You know, it could have come out of Batman, couldn't it? Or um, oh, I don't want to mention his name, but um, a bit like an Elon Musk would make a a, a shuttlecraft, wouldn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, when I'm saying he's, he's a good cop, I think he's deliberately trying to be like, oh, I'm the one reasonable person mm. like, out of everyone. So I, th I think the he, he completely takes his mask off and he's, he's, he's the real baddie, the, the point where he... he unloads his double cross trap to Janeway when uh, when he says, you know, oh, 
go to the um, go to the cargo bay and uh, you'll find all the telepaths there and launch the photon torpedoes. And, and he's nasty there. You know, he's, he's, all the pleasantries have gone. So what, what do we think, though, when he when like then Janeway uh, double crosses him? Would, would he have really let Voyager just go like that? I know there's a there's like the oh, they're going to get in trouble because they've missed all the telepaths. But with that that little bit of nastiness you see of in there i just think he would be like well you're still all going to go to prison i agree i think he would have just blown them out of the sky at that point like no one's going to notice it are they no one cares in the divorce system i would imagine about whether voyager exists or not yeah that's how you hide your mistake just blow them up but there we go yeah yeah i agree with everybody that he would just turn around he's as everybody's calling him a space nazi and he would just turn around and retaliate and destroy the ship, take the crew, destroy the ship or commandeer the ship or whatever he wants to do. I just don't understand another bit of motivation there where he decides, oh, we can't go back and have a report of failure because all he has to do is say, oh, we caught an enemy ship. We blew it out of the sky. Don't need to report anything else. Just say we destroyed them with a bunch of telepaths. Now, the other thing as well with uh, Kashyyyk's uh, understanding of what's happening on the ship he, when he comes on board, he under, he knows that there's twelve telepaths on board in the 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 bay, in bay one in the transport array. So why didn't he just stop them there and then? I, I, if he's after the wormhole, he can find out the information later, and then sort that wormhole bit later. But he, he knows where all these telepaths are in, in initially. And then when he also when he comes uh, when he comes on board right at the end, he he knows two walkies on the bridge. Why wasn't he taken straight away? Yeah. Tuvok is standing there doing his Tuvok bits on the bridge, but nothing said by the the, <laughs> uh, the Devore crew. Deb, did you want to say something? Yeah, three things. I'm supposed to be the one that's negative about this episode, and you think that Kashyyyk should have blown them up. Um, even I don't think Kashyyyk should have blown them up. I mean, um, what would have happened to the next season? Um, but... Um, the thing about uh, motivation as to why I wrote it down when I was watching it, you know, well, why did he bother with this? He knows that you know telepaths are there, and is it is because it, clearly they're trying to identify a way of predicting the wormholes. I'm not quite sure why. And I think also, it's because um, they'll know then, so they'll know then how to spot other um, refugees trying to flee. Because if suppose, it's a bit like it's an underground railroad, isn't it? So actually, if they can then predict it, they can catch them all before they leave. Given they hate them so much, wouldn't you think they'd just rather they left rather than wasting unless, their time trying to yeah. catch them? Unless it's also about xenophobia as well, that they don't want people to come in. Yeah. So um, I guess that they would want to be there to check that nobody came in. You made a third point as well, didn't you? I should have written it down. Oh, about Tuvok. Yes, he was on the bridge. Yeah, that is a bit... Um, yeah, that was a bit cackling. But yeah, why, given that, um, that she's got a whole crew, does she shut herself away with Kashik? I mean, unless she was going in for the snog already at this point, um, trying to work out this... Um, the pattern for the wormholes before um when she's got a whole crew there okay let's hold that thought uh no, no you can carry on with that thought that that's fine mine mine is a carrying on of that thought <laughs> which is that 
which is okay so yeah clearly uh, he's a space nazi and i'm not in the business of defending space nazis on the whole uh, but uh, but what if they sort of underneath all of the, the counterpointing of their games that they were playing what if they genuinely were a bit attracted to each other and he didn't blow the voyager up because he didn't want to kill janeway yeah you can i, I imagine that space nazis still have feelings Mm -hmm. So that was going to be my point, is that actually maybe he was a little bit conflicted because there's a bit at the end where, you know, she says her offer was was genuine um, and he said that he was tempted. And I do, I believe both of them in that moment, in that there was a little bit of him that did wonder what it would have been like to have gone off with, with Voyager. Yes. I, you know, was Janeway attracted to the... Um... Kashik's voice because he sounded to me exactly like Niles out of Frasier. Yes, he did. I was really tempted to record a bit of him and a bit of a Niles and play them both and do a bit of a which one is it? He's exactly the same accent. Everyone loves a British accent, don't they? Or a cod transatlantic accent. You know, talking to Fraser, he just put me straight off because I've been just watching the latest stuff on. It's actually on Paramount Plus as well. Like is it really good? It's very good. I, I, yeah. I think it's really good. Uh, but Nicholas Linders, with his English accent on there, he's fantastic, I think. It's mixed think reviews, isn't it? It's had mixed reviews, but it's doing quite well, I think. On the, yeah, I think it will get a second series. So, But uh, some of the younger characters are a bit slightly off at the moment, but maybe they'll we'll just get used to them when they're a bit... Uh, we get used to them, like... Can I can I just drop in then? Seeing as we're sort of changing a bit, why why is he called Kashik? Because all I can get my head on is that's the name of the Wookiee homeworld in Star Wars. It's like why call him Kashik? Ah. It was also the line "I'm your only hope." I yeah. think it was. Me, yeah. <laughs> I'm your only hope. So, um, what do we think of um, so the re the refugee storyline and the 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 whole idea about persecuting telepaths? The whole thing there, really, with Neelix and the little kids. Uh, so you got the, he's trying to tell them a story. The kids are all basically just reading his mind and telling them stuff. Now, I can understand that being a bit off put into uh, a military race where they can't really keep any secrets because a telepath will be able to listen or hear everything that you're saying because it can just read your mind and that's a bit off-putting. So they don't want these sort of people within their system and that's why they start to persecute them. That's a thing that might happen within these sort of societies. I think it, uh, I mean, considering the soldiers can train themselves, that you can see the writer's room on this one going, yeah, but if that's the case, then that. So they had to put in, oh, well, the soldiers have years of training so that they can't, uh, um, the telepaths can't read them. Um, I think it, it was they wanted to do a Nazi story. It was something that they could pick on that was targeted, that, that wasn't going to be picked up as too obvious or maybe or offensive to anyone. So I, th I think you've, you've got there's a couple of things going on here. So you've got the whole idea about telepaths in general and, and the kind of the persecution of a particular type of, well, particular characteristic. Um, you've also got it, it helps secure kind of voyagers, um, um, well, 
well, basically their whole journey would be much quicker if they didn't stop to help everyone all the time. <laughs> it kind of fits in with that as a thing. I don't think, and I know we'll read our, our, our listeners' feedback in a bit, and there's been a comment about the idea of the refugees not being explored enough. I don't think it matters why the ship's being inspected. I don't think that was the point at all of the story. The point of the story was to have... It's a Janeway vehicle to have her kind of pitted against someone, uh, well, an equal in many ways, someone who can, you know, really keep her on her toes in kind in terms of strategizing and and mental gymnastics, so to speak. Why are they still in that system? They they've been chased. They know they've got telepaths on them. They've been inspected. This is the third time they've been inspected. So how big is this divorce system? And why they're still there, basically, and they just using whatever their staff the protocols in and helping people and decide they, they're the going to do. It's because the rendezvous point keeps changing. They keep having to reroute, don't they? Because the rendezvous point keeps changing. Oh right, yeah, yes, yes, okay. Yeah, I knew something. Woohoo! Go but, me. But it does, but I, I also agree with Siki. It doesn't feel yeah like it feel the divorce system feels both too big and too, too small, small yeah. for the story that it's telling at the same time. I'm just gonna say that they keep bumping into the same yeah. inspection crew. So <laughs> is it like they're just following one another or what? Well, they've been targeted, haven't they? So for whatever reason, Kashik is targeted Voyager, be it because he's intrigued by Janeway or because he actually does know that the refugees are on board but can't find them and it's driving him nuts I'm not sure I I, I thought the that he's specifically been tasked to find the wormhole and that's why he's continually mm-hmm. on Voyager's trail you know that that's that's what I got from this story which kind of brings us back to Deb's earlier point about why is Janeway and Kashik you know, locked away, you know, why is Janeway not got other people working on it? The answer is she probably does have other people working on it, but it's a good way of her finding out what he knows as well by the two of them working on it. Maybe, or maybe it's just the same reason that Captain Kirk is always the one to beam down to the planet because uh, she's the star of the show, isn't she? That That's yeah. the reality of it. Yeah. I think um, this isn't the first time, or is it the first time? No, it can't be the first time that she's done this sort of thing, either pretended or taken a risk with an alliance or with a, you know, a, a relationship, because it was the same with the Borg, right? Mm. It's that, the Scorpion thing. That's because Chakoti was saying, well, you can't make an alliance with the Borg. And she's saying, no, trust me, it's all fine. And it looks like she's going on with it and she's got caught out. And then she goes, Scorpion. And it all turns out they'll be making plans behind the scenes anyway to protect them from that. So... She's a wily operator. She is. Yeah, they, they also um, try to make an alliance with the Kazon, don't they? An equally massive, all, nearly all of season one's uh, dominion of space, the Kazon, isn't it? They never seem to get through it and always bump into the same people. I think, unfortunately, it's just episodic TV in the 90s, isn't it? Mm. Is oh, the but, reason. but great, though, we were saying just before we came on to this, isn't it great that there used to be 26 episodes of this? And you could afford to just have a little, just a little thing on its own. It was just its own story that didn't have to fit in with everything else. It was just, uh, it was just great on its own sake. Um, I missed that. Yeah, me too, actually. Mm. Just being able to kind of, you know, bed down with something. Yeah. So to speak. Um, to reminiscence. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
good old days. Oh, they don't make them like that anymore. Having said that, though, we've just watched. Um, I'm going to digress now. Um, we've just watched the fall of the House of Usher, and just felt like it was absolutely perfect, but the perfect length. Um, in order to be able to move the story along and tell it um, as it went. And that's only eight episodes, eight, I think. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Loved it. Um, so I don't think we can talk about this episode without discussing uh, the title and music. And I'm going to put my husband on the spot now again. Okay, why? To talk to us about a musical counterpoint. Okay, well, I don't know that much, but... <laughs> Uh, but so it's like when two tunes interact and interweave with each other right and there's like two themes or melodies that aren't the same can sort of exist together and tell a bigger story right in music which is obviously a great theme for this because that's what those two characters are mm. doing they're, they're counterpointing each other is that right yeah that's fine thank you cool right uh, so I'll it's Marla, right Marla's for but but it's um so Marla is the uh as the motif for the whole Star Trek theme bit as well. His uh, the for a second symphony, first symphony, whichever one this isn't. First. Um, yeah. So that's quite cool, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm an expert because I read Wit- Wikipedia. Um. Um, <laughs> and um, no, I did, I did follow up because it sounds interesting. The most obvious uh, and, and I think brilliant example of counterpoint is the end of the first half of Les Miserables, where you've got the different voices mm. having their own story and then they come together with that powerful, powerful uh, message at, at the end. Drew's uh, musical, and are your musical, aren't you, Drew? Uh, oh, I am, but it's a bit too classical for me. I'm more contemporary, really, uh, to know about counterpoints. <laughs> <laughs> Jethro Tull did it quite a lot, didn't they? They used to enjoy counterpoint. I did. A, I once did an open university access course, and the first part was like it was an introduction to the arts, and they made us listen to it. Well, it was good, but Songs from the Wood by Jeff. Is that Jethro Tull? I think it's Jethro Tull, and they did it quite a lot. So yeah, correct. Mm. Blur as well, um, House in the Country, the yeah. way that it builds up and there's a different um, under lyric, you know, um, a different m- musical pattern that comes underneath and then another one and then another one and then it, it, it turns into something quite magnificent. Yeah, I mean, the, the music in this episode is, is excellent and, and how it's used as well. I particularly think the best part of it is when the, the music... The music just swells and swells and swells until it gets to the bit where they they fire the two photon torpedoes. I mean, it's it's an excellent like coda to it all. It's it's brilliant. It's, it's just one of the things that makes this an excellent episode. And again, I think that's like Steve said about having um, the longer series is you've then got the space to have an episode that just plays with a piece of music. Um, you can imagine if it was much shorter. You know, if it was like the current um, format of the 10 episodes and one of the writers went, well, I want to have a whole episode that's, you know, framed around this particular piece of music. And everyone will be a bit kind of confused about why that happened and how it fits in with the bigger story arc. But, you know, we, we don't have to worry about it. And also Counterpoint is one of them classic Voyager single word uh, names of the episode, mm. isn't it? That they absolutely love to do. Mm. Fits in well. Seeing as we're digressing a bit for other things throughout this podcast, right? Two great music um, radio programs are uh, for this sort of thing is um, Add to Playlist, which is the 
um, Keris Matthews and Jeffrey Boache thing on Radio 4, where they take like, it's a bit like, um, well, they put together a playlist, they link from song to song to song, um, picking up sort of musical motifs and themes throughout from one song to pick another one. And the second one is uh, on Radio 3 on a Saturday morning, there's a programme called Building a Library, where they take one piece of music and they listen to different um, um, orchestras performing it. And, uh, and that's really good. Um, and we listened to a bit of it, didn't we, about this, about Marla's, whatever this one is, first or second. And here just in the first, thanks. And here different interpretations of this piece. It's amazing the difference a, a conductor can make to a piece of music, right? Mm. That does sound interesting. Um, yeah, just on counterpoint as well, um, I was also seeing the theme as the relationship between Janeway and Kazakh as well. You've got two different, you know, melodies, two different voices that are combining to, and then of course the answer is is counterpoint as well, counterpoint of the wormhole, sig- you know, counter signature. Uh, I thought it was quite clever that. She sent me the link, Steve, to. Um... <laughs> them two shells i was just going to send you the message actually yeah they're great yeah right, the so playlist I'll... is particularly good actually i really yeah. like that one and you have all sorts of different music we had um yes sir i can boogie the other week which was really interesting to hear music talk about it <laughs> and i think because of bbc sounds i think they can be listened to around the world so that i need to be a uh, region locked mm. Mm. good point so um, is there anything else that anyone would like to raise? I really like Torat, and I think he needs his own series with <gasps> the flappy nose. With the nose! Yeah. The nose. That was amazing! Yes. Uh, and, the, and just the whole character. Go away! <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. The, 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 that bit there where he's being chased in his shuttlecraft by uh, Voyager why is he looking over his shoulder? Is it, is it like he got rear view mirror, um, <laughs> a, a rear mirror window at the back? So he's looking at them, going, "Go away!" Right? I just, I couldn't, I couldn't understand it because most of the crew, most of these uh, point of views, is just like straight on. But he's there looking over his shoulder, "Go away, go away!" And it just, oh my! But no, the character was wonderful. The design of his face was great. The the blowing up of the no- the nose yeah. was just a surprise. I Seems- would love to know how that was done. Like, if that was ever at a convention, it would be oh, amazing it- just to see a masterclass in how they actually do that. It was so so clever. Yeah, the the way that Janeway played him as well um, to uh, get him to share the information by saying, "Well, you're pretty rubbish. This guy's better," and that was a lot of um, relationship. I think. Well, the whole the whole Janeway story was one of a, like chess really isn't it mm. different games of chess as, as as she's trying to second guess and, and outmaneuver uh, outsmart people so there was a lot on the second if if we'd gone ahead last Sunday uh, you would have got a very negative feedback <laughs> from me yeah. uh, and I am trying to be positive because I've read what um, Lindsay wrote uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I I I like Janeway. That's why I'm criticising how that bit really because I like her. Yeah, I've got a few things actually. Um, number one, carrying on from what Deb said, yeah, the, the I mean, I think that is. I was talking about the music swelling to the um, photon torpedoes, and that that is like the high pointed episode where when he Kashek realizes that he's been played and he says you know oh you, you've created <laughs> false readings and January says 
that is the theme for the evening yes oh, too, it's it? perfect. i mean yeah. it's it's the best line and delivered so well it's, mm. it's excellent and while we're uh praising janeway um i was you know maybe well she looks pretty good in her uh a turtleneck i think i think she you know kate mulgrew is a bit of a hottie in this episode i think as a red-blooded man I, that's another reason why <laughs> i enjoy this uh so I'd, I'd I'd written Janeway Good Hair era at the top yes. of my It's like yeah. her hair in this is amazing. <laughs> like, it's like they've finally worked out who they want her to be, um, just through hairstyles. Yeah, no, completely agree. And uh, lastly, the yeah, prodigy's got a callback to this episode, the in the penultimate, penultimate um, episode, the ensign that lets Janeway out is one of the Benari people that she rescued. Which is a, an excellent callback. Well played. Mm. Okay, so mine is it's, it's only a couple. There was a, the initial shock right at the beginning when they're looking for the telepath and they then wheel off two box name amongst the uh, the others that he's been killed. And I think, oh wow, that was you know oh, just a bit of a surprise. Janeway's uh, two box actually been killed. Before, you know. At the beginning of this episode, there was a bit of a surprise that was, even though we know what happens. And then uh, the other one was if Kashik has actually been on board the ship for a few days seeking asylum, why doesn't he know that he hasn't actually got a replicator in his in his in his courses when he asked, how, how would you like, Jamie? How would you like to come in and uh, talk about the replicate? Uh, you know, talk about something I could replicate for you. Uh, and she goes, well, you know, the replicator ain't working. How do, why doesn't he know that? Uh, yeah, so that's the end of mine now. So it's a, yeah, it's the, that's the end of mine now. But the, uh, so we, these last two days, I've had to do two podcasts. Today, with Space Nazis. Yesterday, Genesis of the Daleks, with Space Nazis. This has not been a really good... <laughs> uh, <laughs> not been a cheery week yeah, for you, not, Nikki. Not really. And I've been reading uh, the BBC News website um, about homelessness and refugees with mm. space masses. Mm, indeed. I have three notes. Uh, firstly, great to see the transporter get used in that kind of, we're going to hide people in there kind of way. I love a bit of that. So my second thing, honourable mention to Memory Alpha for this uh, bit of trivia. Of the 38 photon torpedoes that Voyager got equipped with, at the beginning of the season, uh, the two that it fires today are numbers 41 and 42. Uh, so, so excellent. But my big, my third one, my big thing is as a teacher, I can absolutely confirm that this is what an Ofsted inspection feels like. When, <laughs> when they come around and do, like, I'm in your office now, let's talk about this stuff. It's like, oh my God. Sitting in your chair. Yeah, absolutely right. This is it. That's what it is. Oh, Deb. I can't remember what I was going to say now. I'm boring myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember about the food photon torpedoes. Also, how many shuttles have they got? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Memory Alpha confirms that this is these are the eighth and ninth shuttles that have been given away or lost now from Voyager. So, yeah, there you go. Well, They've got a few I think I've got someone who really likes to spend their spare time building shuttles. Like yeah. They've obviously got their own Tom Paris. Um you can just sort of randomly build things and keep things going for them. Yes. The real reason, the real reason Cassick's 
uh, replicator was off is because all the spare replicators have been put together to make new shuttlecraft and photons. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, if you go back to was it Prodigy when you guys were watching Prodigy? There's I think there's an episode in there where they're building a, a space shuttle uh, yeah. and using replicators. So that yeah. that's probably what's happening there. They have been making replicators once they lose a, a shuttle. Uh, making replicators, making shuttles. Once they lose one, they make another shuttle and so on. So yeah, they could have. X amount of uh, shuttles over their course of their journey. They could have had X amount of um, missiles for their uh, their journey well, as well. But but there's a thing. So the the episode where Chakotay says this is called the cloud, and he makes a specific point of saying they are irreplaceable. You can't just make photon torpedoes. So well, I don't know. There you go. Hmm. Maybe the cost come across a civilization that will help them. Maybe yeah. they develop the technology okay. as they've been going across. Oh, there's always explanations. So you, know. you need the resources, though, don't you? Because it's only in the future um, of discovery that you can use feces to replicate things, I think. Did you say feces? Yeah, I was going to say shit, but I thought I'd be polite. <laughs> I think it's future discovery when they go forward that they... Um, they discovery that they're, they're drinking refined shit. Nice. nice. Somehow I remembered that. It's the apple, isn't it, that, they, that they're eating? David Cronenberg. So for me, I think there was some, and as I say, we haven't watched any Voyager for a really long time, so just coming into it cold, um, I, I really loved the relationship between Janeway and her crew. There were some really nice little touches in there, um, like just little comments and um, yeah, just little moments she had that weren't part of the plot, weren't particularly significant, but were just really nice to see. They just came across as a really tight knit um, community, um, sort of trying to stick together. And I and and how funny she was, <laughs> like she's really funny. I love the dry sense of humour she's been given. And I again, I think Kate's delivery and how she's developed that character throughout the series is, is brilliant. She, and she says this is her favourite episode, right? Yes, she does, yes. So we need to all bear that in mind because I know she'll be listening carefully to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously um, all the captains listen to our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, it just really reminded me about how much I love Voyager um, and sort of, Makes me want to do another rewatch. Mm. It's just brilliant. It's just such good stuff. I love it. Absolutely love it. So, oh, as everyone shared all that they would like to share, Deb, would you now like to kind of let rip with your your true feelings? Would you like to have the floor? <laughs> no, I, I think that um, I I do think actually that it grew on me on the second watching. That we've been through what the negatives are, and I think we pretty much agree on that. I haven't watched this series of Voyager, sorry. Uh, it was hard to get to, to follow Star Trek after, you know, the next before we had streaming and it's everything's so accessible, it was kind of hard. And even now when I think, right, I'm going to go through Voyager, something else crops up. And um, I've just got to, there's so many things on my watch list at the moment. So I haven't got, the development of the characters in perhaps mm. the same way as someone else. So I am watching it more in isolation. Yeah. Uh, and I do like Janeway. I just, 
we could be too curricular as well. You know, why didn't it blow up? This is a series. It's got to be in the context of the series as well. So I think we need to be realistic. Uh, just, um, I, I just didn't like the way that Janeway went in for the snog. And I, I think we can allow you that, Deb. <laughs> I'm just looking back at our back catalogue. The last time we did a Voyager episode was uh, April 3rd, 2021. So it's been a couple of years, two and a half years since we last did one. So it, it, That was that, a Nazi one. What one was that? Living Nazis. Witness. Ah, yes. Right, okay. I'm not sure. I can't remember too much about it. last one I remember had Nazis in it. It's the one where the Doctor is awoken in the far future, isn't he? Yeah, that's and, it, uh, yes. He's back up module... And Voyager has been um, twisted their history and they've been made to look like the baddies and he's trying to uh, set the record straight. Which, inter interestingly enough, I think he's even further ahead than Discovery, isn't it? So that's actually the, the most forward... Um, is it, is it 40, 42nd century? Maybe? That's a great shout, Drew. I'm gonna, let, let me have a look. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Our, uh, our resident uh, researcher can look at that for us while Suki makes his next point. Uh, well, the other thing as well, if you want really good, uh, well, there are really excellent Janeway episodes during the whole of the Voyager series, but I'm just going to point you back to um, uh, the Prodigy episodes that we've done. Uh, it's a boy, some family called the Davis Davises or Davis. <laughs> I, I don't know who they are, right? But they reviewed the whole of uh, Prodigy for us, um, and seasons one, uh, the first twenty episodes. Now Prodigy includes a character of Janeway, two different versions at least. Uh, so you just, if you want to uh, go back and watch an extant show, watch Prodigy, listen to our podcasts on it, and then uh, see. Uh, what you think because Prodigy is returning I mm. think in 2024 on Netflix hopefully this family I might be able to find them again somewhere I don't know I lost touch with them somewhere uh, I might be able to get them back onto the show and get them to review the next bit True Living Witness according to Memory Alpha is 700 years in the future and it is 900 isn't though at, right at the end then they go forward again don't oh, they wow. And uh, and now it's it's because the the, the end of the episode spoilers is <laughs> they um they explain that it's the doctor in even more of the future telling the story about how he had to um set the record straight. I might be wrong on that. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's definitely yeah, in the future me. again, right at the end. Deb, I think I think I might have watched the wrong episode there. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I was just thinking, getting back to the issue, which is clearly uh, I'm obsessed with the kiss. If you're saying it's because uh, Janeway is so sexually oppressed, I'm just wondering what our holodeck programs are like. And uh, well, we know where well, does this fit in right? with Fair, Fairview? Yeah, Fairhaven. <laughs> Fairhaven, sorry. Yeah, you're in for a treat, Deb. <laughs> Fairhaven. Yeah. That's the name of an episode, right? Okay, I'm going to watch that later. Fair. Uh, oh, oh, well. <laughs> I mean, so she is sexually oppressed. Okay, right. Yeah, she's, she's delete the wife. Uh, delete the husband. Woman with needs, um, as we find out. Um, there's, there's some interesting um, uh, fan fiction with Chicote. Yeah. Yeah. No. No thanks. How many lights you see? No! 
And then we can go to your <laughs> feedback. Yeah. Uh, Suki, I'll start with you. You're at the top of my screen. Right. <clears throat> I'm, as I said, it, I've got loads of points that just didn't go with me. So, but I think you're still enjoyable episodes. Um, so I am going to just go three lights out of fire. Three. And Drew? Uh, for a long time, this was actually my favourite episode of all Star Star Trek. Uh, it's certainly my favourite episode of, of Voyager, definitely. So it's an easy five for me. Lovely. Deb? Uh, going 3.5. Oh, intriguing. On the second watching. Hmm. Mr Davis? I will go because, as you know, I do not believe in parts of lights. So I will go four. It's very close to being a five, but a four. I'll oh, 4.2. Don't you dare. <laughs> you, you looked a bit scared there when you looked at Sarah. <laughs> yeah. every, um, every action has consequences, Deb. <laughs> I'm, I'm going a five. Um, do I think it's the best episode ever? Probably not, but I absolutely adore it. And I just think this is, this is Kate Mulgrew at her absolute best i just think she's a queen in this and i love her very much so yeah i'm going to stick with the five and she's very foxy in it as well <laughs> <laughs> so listeners feedback So we got our first bit of feedback, and that's from Jack McMurrow. And he says, Brax is still possibly my favourite unsung Trek one-liner. Voyager Season 5 is one of the strongest seasons in the entire franchise from 1966 to today. Unfortunately, while it definitely has a potential to be a shining example of this, Counterpoint is a bit of a runner-up in the fifth season stakes. I think Cat McGrew is on fine form throughout she usually is, but here she gets a meteor script to sink her teeth into. It is particularly satisfying having Captain Janeway absolutely mug the Devore by the end. Shame we never saw the Devore Imperium afterwards. Bit of a strangely small Imperium if they are done in one episode. Although the main bloke being called Kashik is a nice Star Wars Easter egg. It's just a shame we never really go into detail with smuggling the telepaths, although I really suspect this is to save money for other episodes by barely using regulars like Tim Russ and barely utilising background extras. I think this is a bottle show too. This money saving paid off with season 5 episodes like Timeless and 11.59. Unfortunately, other than seeing Kate Mulgrew give us yet another excellent performance, I can't find much else to recommend about this one. Sadly, I give Counterpoint three screaming the name Brax out of five. Earlier, I gave high praise to season five of Voyager, and that stands still. I liken the season to my favourite James Bond three, first three Bond films. Various degrees of better than good, and at some points, great. While Counterpoint is not as bad as the second half of his fourth film, the awful Iceland half of Die Another Day were enough for how excellent Kate McGrew is, it'd be on its way to being Trek's Die Another Day. Oh, 
Patrick Stewart's book, Making Making It So, is beyond excellent. And he lived fairly near me in Yorkshire. Well, not near me. Uh, same Hughes County. But John Barry and Dame Judy Dench did also live in my tiny city of York. Bob lives in York. Bob Fleming, our old podcast house. Thank you, Jack. Okay, so our next feedback is from Mr. Ferrick. And they've got to say, Ooh, counterpoint, introducing the Brunari like the one who helped Janeway in Prodigy. Smiley face. Also, Kashek is a dick. Utter, <laughs> utter dick. And another smiley face. Thank you for that feedback, Mr. Ferrick. I've got James Amy. It's Kate Mulgrew's favourite episode, and watching it, you can see why. This is one of the great Trek episodes for highlighting the flaws in the Prime Directive. Technically, Voyager shouldn't have got involved here, but morally, they were bang on rights to. It's also an amazing episode of Trek genre hopping, with it playing out as almost World War II-esque evade the Nazis to rescue the prisoner of war's tales complete with double and triple crosses. Mulgrew also, thankfully, finally gets a love interest here, even if it's an alien of the week that isn't Chicote or Tom Paris, <laughs> which really helps sell her relaxation after a mental health breakdown in night earlier in the season. Thanks, James. Mine is from Blue Cat, who says... This is an episode I really liked because of the energies between Janeway and her male opposite. The intellectual flirtation between them was delicious. And then he disappointed her at the end with his none too predictable choice of action. <laughs> Thank you. And I've got Dave K. Dave K. This episode is from well after I gave up on watching Voyager. So watched it for the first time just for the podcast. Well, thank you for your commitment, Dave. Uh, not a bad story, but for me, never really reached its potential. The most interesting idea was the Schindler's List style saving of the refugees, but that never really landed, being sidelined by other plot threads. The Nazi defector was also an interesting idea, but then fairly obviously overdone. But the biggest problem was that Mark um, Hakalik playing Kashik gave a really stilty performance. Interesting. So lots of nice ideas, but never really landed. 2.4 lights. Yeah, I, I reckon that Deb should read that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I plead innocence. This is from the glorious Lindsay. Hello, it's been demanded that I provide some positive feedback for Counterpoint, as Deb, having yet to watch it, has already decided it's going to be pants. This is up there with my absolute favourite episodes. I think it's full of Trek goodness, as well as being a powerhouse of an episode for Kate Mulgrew. The idea that not only are the crew protecting their own, but they are trying to assist other persecuted peoples is all sorts of Star Trek goodness. The techno babble makes more sense, at least in my brain, than it does in lots of other episodes. And transporter suspension and the counterpoint. And I love the part music has to play in the shape of the plot. Yeah, me too. Well, I shouldn't say that, should I? I'm being negative and bad. Last but not least is the way that this highlights, not for the first or the last time, 
just how isolated Janeway is. She builds a relationship with this man who is from outside the crew, is able to be herself and open to him, or so it seems. Yet in the end, we have to assume that she has been on her guard throughout. While I love that she's not been fooled, there's something heartbreaking in the moment of the reveal. Anyway, it's a great episode, and if Deb doesn't see its strengths, then you should clearly redshirt her. I only read that out because Suki gave a lower point than I did. <laughs> it's really nice to hear well, from Lindsay. Half a point, I gave a lower point. Half. A point. Yeah, no, oh, it's man. really good to hear from Lindsay. I was, I was provoking her into uh, giving a comment because I know how much she loves Voyager. So there we go. That's our listeners' feedback. So now it is time for our red shirt of the week. I woke up this morning, put on my red shirt. Oh. Um, and I'm gonna go the opposite way now and start with my beloved. Oh, is that me? That is you. Oh. <laughs> I thought he was level. Uh, so for two reasons, firstly, because I'm always going to do what uh, Lindsay tells me to do. Uh, but and but secondly, because of the outrageous calumny that was placed upon me that I was somehow circumventing the hands up system and using my position as your betrothed to get my opinion in early. Uh, I am absolutely 100 percent red shirting Deb. OK, thank you very much, uh, Deb. He protests too much. <laughs> well, I was going to redshirt Suki for, in fact, I might still. Suki, you give me the link five minutes after we were due to start and then rushing me to get logged on. I don't know if everyone else got a secret log on before I did, which is even worse. Couldn't did possibly I comment, Deb. You get log on that I didn't get. <laughs> no, no, we we no. recorded this last week instead of this one. So we're only we're only catering to your. Uh, I've got people. my full Janeway face on here, and I can't. I'm telling you, we did not have a uh, a log on before we logged on with you. Uh, in fact, I got very confused because I was all ready for a Skype call to come through, and then realised there was a Zoom link on my phone. Five minutes after we were due to start. I mean. Yeah, we'd suck him if anyone else could do the editing. <laughs> I'd gladly get leave you. I'd hold mine. I'd be out the door. I'd leave you. Yeah. <laughs> I love him really. My betrothed. Yeah. Uh, okay, so for that reason, I'm going to redshirt Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've written it down. Oh, is it lovely, me or is it Steve? Lovely uh, faintness. Um, Drew. I, I'm also going to agree with Lindsay, a fellow Team Janeway person. Uh, I'm going to red shirt Deb for all that negativity about my beloved Voyager. Won't hear a word of it, I'm afraid. <laughs> Suki gave less points than me. And Suki. Right. I'm going to uh, vote for Steve because he brought the town down with that uh, whole finger thing he brought it really down i just i can't believe what he uh, what he what he said there like so i am going for steve so this does leave sarah in a predicament yes she's deciding vote now yeah. my oh, goodness eek. are you going to prove deb right now and uh and not vote for steve 
<laughs> that's that's a very oh she's almost like an conundrum. bit of a two-bit situation you're in here huh i am going to go for steve <laughs> yeah <laughs> or his false modesty when i asked him the question that in normal circumstances he would be happy to wax lyrical about for hours which is, please tell us a little bit about the music, Steve. Normally, we can't shut him up. So uh, for that reason, um, I'm afraid you're going down, mate. Uh, I, I mean, that is fair. That was a proper humble brag, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think that's what, very fair me, also. because we talk about music? Oh, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> I nicked to the loo then, and I was really hoping he'd go on really long. I mean, he can do. We can stay on a bit longer and have a full-on music lesson, which I'm sure we'd all appreciate. But um... yeah, but I'll edit it all out. <laughs> <laughs> right, gang. So how well, how are we sending Steve off then? I reckon we just put him in that transport array and keep bringing him in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in until he degrades away. Can we can we put him in with the vegetables? Yeah, you could do the whatever you, vegetables. whichever concoction you want to uh, bring him out as. Yeah, definitely come out stew for you in a bit. You know what? You're all saying it like it's a punishment. Man alive, just eternity in the peace of a transporter. <laughs> Thank you. We're listening to Marla. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think we sent Kazik in to do uh, an Ofsted inspection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah, an eternity of Ofsted inspections. That's what we're doing. Oh dear. I'd be interested to know what um, if uh, Andrea uh, had the same feelings about uh, the yeah. episode. Um, so I think that draws us to a very happy close. Um, thank you very much for uh, indulging me in talking about my uh, favourite episode. Uh, I can't work out if Suki's putting his hand up or giving me a thumbs up. A thumbs, thumbs up. up. Oh, uh, the excellent uh, housing duties. Uh, but yeah. we are, we will be returning uh, in a week's time, I hope, as as uh, with Steve's choice, which is going to be uh, Drumhead. And Steve is going to tell us which uh, series, which season, and which episode, aren't you? Yes, it's it's definitely season four. Uh, all I can tell you about where it sits is that because it used to go on a VHS video with Half a Life, so it's the episode before Half a Life, which is that one with um, um, the guy from Mash playing the, the euthanasia one. But that's not the drumhead. The drumhead is a belter, although very similar in some ways to this one. Okay. So, season four, episode 21. Yeah. There we go. Four, episode 21 of what series? Oh, uh, The Next Generation. Thank you uh, very much. We get there and in the end. I, I, I will be in um, Belgium having uh, harassed Jason Isaacs. So, I may pop on just to say hello and how lovely Jason has been. But we so, you you might pop on for two minutes. There. For a couple of minutes, it'll be fantastic. That's all we need. Two minutes. The rest of the episode should go smoothly. Uh, oh, come on. I've got to give you the odd challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much, everyone. Um, uh, it's been lovely chatting with you again because it's been quite a while. Um, so I am going to say goodbye and then I'm going to let you all say goodbye as well. So goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Lighters. And don't ask why my video's off. You don't want to know. Okay. I'm glad we don't want to know. Yeah, fine. 
Did you want to jump in, Tiki? No, you carry on with your nuts because I've got oh, my I've okay, got mine okay, as well. Yeah. You know, the theme for this afternoon is just speak over Suki and not actually uh, notice when it's <laughs> it's 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 a hobby. It is, yeah, it is for you. Thank you for listening, and you can find us all on Twitter. As a group, you can find us on at TrekThisOutPod, or you can go to our Facebook page at TrekThisOut. Just uh, Google that. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter as uh, Sidemount underscore 151. So you can find me on Twitter as at Vintage1983V if you're into Star Trek shitposting um, and a lot of other thirst. Um, if you particularly like to follow me Star Trek art, um, have a look on Instagram for Vin of the Basement. Uh, and I'm just Lofty, L-U-F-F-D-E-E on Twitter. But if you are interested in knowing our obsession about Jason Isaacs, um, you can find me, Kat and Andrea posting weird stuff about Jason Isaacs. Hashtag Team Basement. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as 23BDI. <laughs>